السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ما بعد. So welcome everyone to another lesson with QP and Alhamdulillah we have we last week we began with the Tafsir of Surah Al-Fajr and inshallah Taala today we're going to continue with that Tafsir from verse number three onwards. The the introduction to the surah that we gave last week spoke about two main elements. One was the names by which the surah is known, and the second was the uh, the revelation of the surah in terms of it being Mecca or Madani. And we mentioned that the surah is known primarily by two names in the early works of Tafsir and Hadith and so on. The first of them being Surah Al Fajr, and the second of them being Surah Wal Fajr. So Al Fajr and Wal Fajr. So one is obviously the first verse of the surah. And the other one is the first verse, but without the wow at the beginning. And those are the two names predominantly that you will find in the early works of Tafsir and even in the later works of Tafsir, to be honest. Uh, I don't know other than these two names of any other name that, that the scholars mentioned for the surah. And then we spoke about its revelation in terms of it being Mecca or Madani. And we mentioned that the vast majority of the scholars, to the extent that some of them said that it is an issue of ijma' and consensus, was that this surah is a Mecca revelation, a revelation that occurred before the hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ to Medina. And uh, Ibn Atiyah mentioned from one of the scholars of Al-Andalus by the name of Abu Amr al-Dani that he mentioned in some of his works or one of his works that some of the scholars said that it is a Madani surah. Uh, and Ibn Atiyah himself said, and the correct position is, the position of the majority, and in fact, I think even Abu, Abu Amr al-Dani himself uh, says that it is a Mecca surah, even though he mentions this opposing opinion as well. So just because someone mentions other opinion, obviously, doesn't mean that they take that position themselves. He's just mentioning that there is uh, some some difference of opinion concerning that. But as we said, that didn't prevent or stop the vast majority of the scholars, uh, or, or a good number of them anyway, uh, scholars with tafsir, saying that it is by ijma' by consensus and by agreement, of the scholars with tafsir that it is a Mecca surah. And we've already mentioned previously uh, in the statements of Ibn Jarir al-Tabari ta'ala and others that it wasn't, it's not uncommon amongst the scholars of, of Islam that when they take a position and someone may disagree with that position but it is a very small minority that they may still overlook that opposition and can consider it to be an issue of agreement or consensus or unanimity amongst the scholars of Islam. And so similar to that in this, in this case, uh, many of the scholars consider this to be a surah, which is a Mecca surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins his surahs, uh, as we mentioned last week, uh, with a number of oaths, and we took two of them last week. The first of them is how Allah Azzawajal begins the surah, and that is by, by saying, Wal Fajr, and Allah Azzawajal takes an oath by the dawn or the daybreak. And we mentioned that the scholars of Islam, or the scholars of Tafsir, uh, many of them considered the Fajr to be referring to the time of Fajr. And they considered that to be uh, open-ended, meaning any Fajr of any day throughout the year. So they considered it to be uh, an oath that Allah Azza took for the time of Fajr. And we mentioned 
Uh, and as we well know, the time of Fajr is the time that is blessed. Something which is mentioned in a number of a hadith mentioned in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Isra, Inna Quran al-Fajri kana mashhuda. That indeed the Quran, the recitation of Fajr, is something that is witnessed and attested to. And we know the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam of the angels that come down at the time of Fajr and Asr and they come uh, and, and they go at that time because they left the actions and the deeds of the children of Adam to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so it is a time of blessing. And we know that the Prophet generally used to recommend people to seek barakah in that very early time of the morning. And the morning or, or the time that is before it, which is the sahar time, right? the suhoor time, which is the time just before fajr uh, kicks in, which is the pre-dawn time. And so that time of the day generally is a time of barakah. It is a time of... of, of, of uh, of, of blessing, it is a time in which uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes a number of his blessings to descend. Uh, some of the scholars of tafsir said that the well, fajr, the fajr time that is being referred to in this surah is more specific than the fajr of just generally in any day. So some of them said for example that it is the first fajr of the year which is the first fajr of Muharram and that's considered to be a position or one of the positions of Qatada but we said last week that some of the other scholars dismissed that as being a view or a consideration because obviously the Islamic year wasn't established in the time of the Prophet in terms of the year, the annual calendar that we have now, the Hijri calendar that's something which was established later on during the Khilaf of Umar and other scholars considered the Fajr that's being referred to as the Fajr of Yawm al-Nahr the Fajr of Eid al-Adha or the day of Eid, the big Eid the day that the people of the people performing Hajj come back from Arafah and Muzdarifah and they come back to Mina and that's the day that they make Tawaf and Sa'i and they stone and they shave their hair and they uh, and they give offer their sacrifice and so on. It is the day of Al-Hajj Al-Akbar. So some of the scholars consider that to be the context that these verses are being re- revealed in. And that will continue now because obviously as, as we mentioned concerning verse 2 and so on that it's something which uh, follows through in terms of that being specifically what is being referred to here. But the vast majority of the scholars, the, the Jumhur, the majority of the scholars of Tafsir, they consider the Fajr to be general, any time of Fajr throughout the year. And it's possible, and Allah Azza wa Jalla knows best, as some of the scholars of Tafsir often used to do, is that they're giving an example of Fajr by saying the Fajr of the day of Hajj. Not that it's exclusive to that Fajr, but they mention the best Fajr of the year. So that's also a position or, or one of the ways that we can reconcile between some of those scholars who said, that it is the Fajr of Yawm al-Nahr, especially when we find that some of those scholars on, in other narrations simply said that it is the Fajr, right? It is the Fajr of any day. And that's a very important principle as uh, Ibn Taymiyyah mentions in his Muqaddim and in his introduction to the principles of Tafsir. That often the Salaf will give Tafsir by way of example. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking an oath by the Fajr to show the importance of that Fajr and how virtuous it can be, some of the scholars chose the best Fajr of the year. And they consider that Fajr to be, uh, you know, according to those scholars, to be the Fajr of Yawm al-Nahr, right? Because of the hadith that we mentioned last week of the Prophet wasallam, that there are no 10 days in which actions are more beloved to Allah than the first 10 days of the Hijjah. So we have that as a, a position also that it's referring to Fajr. And then we have the other position among some of the scholars of Islam, and that is that what's being referred to is the whole day. As some of them said, nahar, the meaning of Fajr, is the whole of the day. And that's a position that some of the scholars had, but as we said, the majority 
seem to say that it's referring to the Fajr, right? It's referring to the Fajr time of the day, which is the early morning dawn time uh, that you get in the morning of every single day. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then in verse number two, He says, Allah takes an oath by the ten nights. And we mentioned last week that the position of the, of the majority of the scholars of Arabic language is that they are interchangeable. The days and the nights are interchangeable. And it's often the case in Arabic that days are mentioned and nights are being referred to as well. Or nights are being mentioned and days are being referred to as well. And so that's why the majority of the scholars took the position that the 10 days that are being referred to here are the first 10 days of the Hijjah. And that is the position of the majority of the scholars of Tafsir. And it's the one that was chosen by the likes of Ibn, Ibn Jarir al-Tabari and many others. And many of them considered this to be the case because generally speaking, when we look at the Athar, the narrations of the Salaf concerning, uh, and the early scholars of Tafsir concerning what is being referred to by Walayal in Ashr, this is what they considered it to be. And then you have the other positions. Some of them said, no, it's referring to the last 10 nights of Ramadan. And some of them said that it's referring to the first 10 days of Muharram and so on. Those are the positions that you will find amongst the scholars of Tafsir also. But then you have the majority saying that it's referring to Walayal in Ashr, refers to the 10 days, the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah. And we mentioned, I think, last week, the position of Ibn Al-Qim, Ta'ala, and the way that he reconciles between, uh, you know, between uh, the hadith and the narrations that we have concerning the last 10 nights of Ramadan and the virtues concerning them, and in particular, Dhul Qadr. And then the hadith that we just mentioned, about the first 10 days of the Hijjah, and then Allah Azza wa taking an oath by the Quran, you know, concerning those 10 days as well of the Hijjah, how do we reconcile between the two? And so Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, was of the position that the best 10 days of the year are the 10 days of the Hijjah, but the best 10 nights of the year are the 10 nights of, uh, of, of Ramadan, uh, the last 10 nights of Ramadan. Other scholars disagreed, and other scholars said, no, the, last, the first 10 days refers to the days and the nights. So the first 10 days, of the Hijjah are the best days of the year. And then some of them said, no, but the exception to that is only Laylatul Qadr. Laylatul Qadr is the only exception. So whichever night Laylatul Qadr happens to be, uh, you know, happens to be, Laylatul Qadr happens to be the one that's, uh, you know, that's, that, that, that people are referring to, uh, that's the only exception. Laylatul Qadr, whenever it happens to be, that's the only exception. As for the remainder of those nights and days, then the first 10 days of the Hijjah are better. And Allah Azza wa knows best. Um, but the position of the majority seems to be and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best is that it's a general thing when Allah when the Prophet said Ma min ayyam, there are no days in which actions are more beloved to Allah the first 10 days of the Hijjah are those 10 days and so that includes the nights as well and Allah knows best that seems to be the position of the majority of the scholars who took that particular view and it is something which is uh, well overlooked by many Muslims. You know, Ramadan, people are in that situation where they're fasting and Ramadan just has an atmosphere and Ramadan, you're kind of just generally spiritually in the in, in, in the right place to do more ibadah and to worship Allah Azza wa Jal more and to, and to ask Allah Azza wa Jal for more and so on. People generally push themselves more in Ramadan, generally speaking, and then obviously in particular the last 10 nights of Ramadan, they do that more so than they do the first 10 days of the Hijjah. In fact, that first 10 days of the Hijjah, more or less up until the day of Arafah, where you know, a lot of people will fast on the day of Arafah, which is obviously a good thing and it's a virtuous thing. But the first eight odd days of the Hijjah are usually just left behind. So people don't really fast and they don't really give charity and they're not really reading extra Quran and so on. And clearly the environment that you find in Ramadan, the general atmosphere, isn't the same in the first 10 days of the Hijjah. However, uh, clearly there is a great amount of reward and virtue to be found 
in those first 10 days. And so it's something which people often overlook, something which people don't really pay a great deal of attention to, but it's something which is extremely important to work in those first 10 days of the Hijjah as well. And Allah Azza wa knows best. In verse number three, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then takes another oath, or he takes two oaths. He says, subhanahu wa ta'ala wa shafi'i wal watar, by the even and the odd. And this is where we stopped last week. So we did verses, verses one and two. Verse number three, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, wa shafi'i wal watar, by the even and the odd. And I believe that everyone's translations are essentially the same, right? Uh, with the exception of some of them adding um, something in parenthesis in brackets. So for example, Muhsin Khan says, and by the even and the odd, and in brackets of all the creation of Allah. Mufti Taqin Abdul Halim don't really mention anything else. Uh, Sahih International says, and by the even, and then in brackets number, and the odd. Right? Uh, but the general meaning of the verse is, as, as we've mentioned, it's referring to the even and the odd. Shaf' in the Arabic language means even. Right? So anything which is, uh, you know, which is an even number is called shaf'. Right? And from it comes the word shafa'a. Why is it called shafa'a? Because one is interceding on behalf of someone else. So a person by themselves can't make shafa'ah, right? If you're just by yourself, intercession is that you're doing it on behalf of someone. You're asking for someone. So it requires you to be more than one. And that is why it comes from uh, the same word or the same root word as a shafa'ah. Uh, and al-watar refers to the odd. Why al-watar and al-witr? And that is the other recitation, the recitation of Hamza and al-kisai and khalaf al-ashir is that they say wal-shaf'i wal-witr. The word water and water and witr mean more or less exactly the same thing. They both mean odd. The difference is that there are different dialects amongst the Arabs. So with the Fatha, which is the reading of the majority of the Qur'an, seven out of the ten read with the Fatha, wal-watar, that is the, the, uh, the language of the people of Quraysh. So the people of Quraysh and Hijaz and that particular area of what is modern-day Saudi Arabia, they, may, they say the word water or witr with the Fatha. Right? We know it generally in our uh, general parlance in the way that we speak. We normally use it with the kasra, witr. So even the prayer that we, re- we pray at the end of the night, right, the, the final prayer, the witr prayer, is also referred to as the watr prayer. And you will find that sometimes in some of the narrations of hadith that there's a fatha on it. Right? And so that's because you have both uh, languages or both dialects amongst the Arabs. So the position of the, of the, of the Quraysh and so on is al-watr, wal-watr, the word has a fatha on it. And then another dialect is with the kasra, and I think that is probably more uh, more popular, more commonly used in our time now. It is more, more mostly used with the kasra as opposed to a fatha. But anyway, that is um, you know neither here nor there. Both of them are uh, authentic and mutawatir qira'at. Washaf'i wal watar, washaf'i wal witr with the kasra, it is the recitation of Hamza and Kisai and Khalaf al Ashir. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I will mention, uh, before we go into, into this issue in more detail, I will mention a number of the statements of the Salaf uh, from the early scholars of Islam, the early scholars of Tafsir concerning the meaning of this verse. What is it that it's referring to? Abdullah ibn Wahab al-Misri, rahimahullah ta'ala, from the famous scholars of Islam and from the famous scholars of Hadith, he said, Al-Shafi' are the two days, are two days after the day of Eid. And Al-Witr, or Al-Watr, is the last day of Hajj. What are two days after Eid? The 12th. And what is the last day of Hajj? The 13th of the Hijjah. So as we know, on the day of Eid, Al-Adha, right, after that, the next three days are known as the Iyam al-Tashriq. 
and the Yam al-Tashriq are the three days in which you go and stone all of the three pillars. 11th, 12th, and 13th of the Hijjah, you go to each one of those three pillars. Now, after two days of stoning, meaning on the 12th, it is permissible for people to leave. They can leave and they can exit Mina. And that is the statement of Allah in Surah Al-Baqarah, Whosoever seeks to leave, hasten after two days, then there is no sin upon them. And whosoever wishes to remain for the last day, then there is no sin upon them, so long as they have piety in whatever they choose to do. And we know that the Prophet stayed until the 13th of the Hijjah. He, he, he stoned on that final day and then he left from Mina. So Abdullah bin Wahab seems to make a connection between al-Shaf'i wal-Watr and between that verse in Surah Al-Baqarah. And essentially he's saying that the odd or the even is referring to the 12th of the Hijjah and the odd will be referring to the 13th of the Hijjah. The position of Iqlimah uh, and, and, and many, in fact, of the scholars of, of, of Tafsir, uh, but I have it here as Iqlimah primarily anyway, but there are many who, who actually hold this position. It is a position of the majority, is that the Arafah is Witr or Watr and the day of Eid is the Shaf. Arafah is Witr. Why is it Witr? Because it is the ninth of Arafah. It's the odd number. And we know that the day of Arafah is a day that is extremely blessed, a day that is extremely virtuous, a day that is extremely rewarding for the people making Hajj and for the people not making Hajj. For the people not making Hajj, the Prophet ﷺ told us to fast on that day, will expiate sins of the past year and the following year. So two years of expiation from the fasting of a single day. And as for the people making Hajj, then that is the day that is the most important pillar and the day of uh, 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 most important pillar of Hajj and the most important day of Hajj. The Prophet told us, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Al-Hajj Arafah, Hajj is Arafah. And that is the day that the Hujjaj go to Arafah and they make dua. Is the day that the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, said uh, the best of duas is the dua of the, of the, the, dua of the day of Arafah. Uh, it's the hadith in which the Prophet told us, it's the day about which the Prophet told us that Allah descends and He forgives His creation. It's the day that, that the Prophet told us that Iblis looks upon Allah's mercy and forgiveness and he sees how wide and encompassing it is that he takes dust and dirt from the ground and he puts it over his own head because of how he despairs because he sees how vast Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy is. And so all of this is something which is which is mentioned concerning the virtues of the day of Arafah, particularly for the people in Arafah or on Arafah, making, uh, on the plain of Arafah, making Hajj. And so this was the position of Iqlimah, and in fact it is the position of many of the scholars of Tafsir. They settled upon this position that it's referring to al-Shaf' and al-Watr, al-Shaf' being the day of Eid, and al-Watr being the day of, of um, the day of uh, Arafah. So, Al-Witr comes first, which is the ninth, the tenth being an odd number, would then be the day of Nahab, which is the day of the Big Eid, and obviously that's a day which is extremely uh, blessed as well. And based upon that tafsir then, what essentially you have in verse number two, Allah is taking an oath by the first ten days of the Hijjah, according to those scholars who took that position, and then verse number three being a specification of the generality. So the general ten days, Allah takes an oath by because of their virtues. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifies or highlights two days from amongst those ten to show that they are even greater, right? that they are even better. Right? And so it's example, for example, you have Ramadan, but then you specify Laylatul Qadr out of Ramadan. You have a general thing, all of Ramadan is virtuous, but Laylatul Qadr has added virtues. وَلَيَالٍ عَشْرٍ All ten days of the Hijjah are extremely virtuous, 
was Shaf'i wal Watr, but those two days, the days of the 9th and 10th Arafah and the day of Eid, are even more virtuous. Right? That's on that position. Mujahid, rahimahullah ta'ala, it is narrated that he said, Al-Khalqu kulluhu Shaf'un wa Witrun fa'aqsama bil Khalq. He said that all of Allah's creation is either odd or even. And so therefore Allah took an oath by his creation. Shaf'i wal Watr essentially refers to all of Allah's creation because everything that Allah has created is either in an even number or an odd number. And that is, I think, what, what Muhsin Khan was trying to say uh, in his parenthesis when he said, and by the even and the odd, and then in, in brackets he says, of all of the creation of Allah. Right? I think that's anyway what he's referring to, and Allah Azza wa Jal uh, knows best. Uh, so essentially, everything that Allah created, Allah Azza wa Jal created in pairs, right? And, and we know that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, From everything we created, pairs, right? So animals and humans and jinn and so on, they are pairs. And much of the creation of Allah Azza wa Jal has many of the same, meaning the angels and so on. They have many of the same. But then there are certain creations of Allah Azza wa Jal that there is only one of. For example, the throne of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the kursi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are certain creations of Allah azza wa jal that are only one. There is nothing else like them. They are unique in the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created them. And so therefore what Allah azza wa jal is taking an oath by is everything that Allah created, which is either, uh, you know, either it is shaf or it is witr, it is either even or it is odd. And, and al-Hasan al-Basri, rahimahullah ta'ala, said something very similar. And he said, al-Halqu kulluhu shaf'un wa witr, all of Allah's creation is either even or odd. But Mujahid Taala has uh, another position as well. And that is, uh, that it's also reported that he said, Ash-shaf or the even, is everything that Allah created, meaning from his living creations, so the jinn and the humans and so on, they are all more than one. And so therefore they become even. What is Al-Watr? Because from the meanings of Al-Watr, Al-Watr is that Allah is one and unique. That is from the meanings of al-witr. That's why in the hadith, the Prophet said, Inna Allaha witrun. Allah Azza wa is witr or watr. Right? Allah Azza wa is one and he is unique subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so therefore Allah Azza wa is unique and he is one. And that's the position here or the second position that we find also ascribed to Mujahid rahimahullah ta'ala. That it's referring to not only Allah's creation, but that Allah Azza wa is the one who is witr and everything else is is, 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 is even in the sense that Allah created all of these other creations in that way that they have more than one and essentially it's referring to what Allah created from the living creations so it's not referring to his throne and so on in this particular context it's referring to what Allah created in terms of his living beings right so the the humans and, and the jinn and the animals and birds and so on and so forth uh, Imran ibn Hussein it is said, radiyallahu that he said, that the shaf and witr, the even and the odd, are referring to the, the congregation or the obligatory prayers, the five daily prayers. Because you have prayers that are shaf and prayers that are witr. So maghrib is being the odd numbered prayer and everything else being an even numbered prayer. And that is also what he mentioned as well. These are the three positions that you will find that are the most, or the, sorry, the, the four or five positions that I mentioned. So whether it's referring to the two days of Arafah and uh, and 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 uh, the day of Eid, or whether it's referring to all of Allah's creation, or whether it's referring to Allah Azza wa and His creation, or whether it's referring to uh, the prayers and so on, certain acts of ibadat, these are the most common positions that you will find, and perhaps the strongest of them uh, in terms of what has been mentioned. 
However, there are many other narrations, many, many different positions of the scholars, many different uh, opinions and positions concerning the meaning of this verse, Shaf and al Watan. And Imam Al-Qurtubi mentions a great deal of them. If you go back to his tafsir of this particular verse, he mentions many of them. So for example, you know, just so that we, we just for an idea of what he, what he uh, refers to, uh, he says, for example, some of them said that a chef, the even, are referring to the levels of Jannah or the gates of Jannah because the gates of Jannah are eight. And as for the witr, the odd, it's referring to the levels of the fire, the gates of the fire because they are seven. Uh, others said, for example, a chef is a Safa and Marwa. The even is a Safa and Marwa because there are two of them, those hills. Whereas the Witr, the Odd, is the Kaaba because there is only one of them. Right? Uh, some of them, uh, and it is reported as being the statement of Muqatil, Ibn Hayyan, rahimahullah ta'ala, the famous scholar of Tafsir, that he said a chef, the even, refers to days and nights. Meaning after every, every day has a night attached to it. Right? Every day has a night. And so they are a pair. And the Witr, the, the Odd, will be the day after which there will be no, no night, meaning Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Right? And so that's what's being referred to here. That's the day after which there is no night, meaning it is the end of the dunya. Others from amongst um, them said that the uh, chef, the, the, uh, the, the even, refers to the two harams, Mecca and Medina. And the wit of the odd one out refers to the third of the holy mosques, which is Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Uh, others from amongst them said, for example, that, that Shaf, the, the even, refers to making the Hajj in which you combine between the Hajj and the Umrah. So Quran or Tamattu'ah, you combine between them. So you have two. You have Umrah and Hajj. Whereas Al-Witr, the odd, refers to the Hajj by itself, which is the Hajj al-Ifrad, where you just make Hajj by itself and you don't make any Umrah. Uh, and others from amongst them said that a Shaf, the even, refers to the living animals or the beasts that Allah Azza has created, humans and so on and so forth, because they get married, right? And they have children and they are offspring. So therefore, they are even, meaning that they are in pairs. And the witter or the uh, the um, the odd refers to inanimate objects. So for example, rocks and stones and so on, because they don't get married, they don't pair up and so on and so forth. These are all positions that Imam Qurtubi ta'ala mentioned. So, and there are many others, by the way, that I didn't even bring to our attention here because he mentions a good deal and a good number of them to show you that this is an issue that you will find many different positions of uh, but essentially and Allah Azza wa knows best they come down to two broad main positions one of them is that it's referring to everything it's referring to all of Allah's creation uh, whether you say that it's Allah Azza wa and his creation or just Allah's creation essentially they're both coming down to one and the same thing and the second position being that it's referring to ibadat that it's referring to acts of worship whether we say it's referring to Salah, whether it's referring to Hajj and then in Hajj, whether it's referring to Arafah and the day of, of Al-Nahr or the 12th and 13th of Dhul-Hijjah, or whether it's referring to Safa and Marwa and the Kaaba, or whatever it may be, but it's referring to the general Ibadat. So whether it's Salah or whether it's Ibadat or Hajj, it's referring to an act of worship. Right? An act of worship, that seems to be those, generally broadly speaking, those are the two categories that all of these positions come under and Allah Azza wa knows best. Uh, Imam Al-Tabari, ta'ala, he said the scholars differed concerning this issue as to what it's referring to. Some of them said that a shaf, the even is Yawm Al-Nahr, the, the, the even is the day of Eid, and Al-Witr, wal Watr, the odd is the day of Arafah, and this is, as we said before, the position of Ikrimah, but it's also re- reported as being the position of Ibn Abbas, uh, anhumah, and Al-Dahaq, and others. And he says, and others from amongst them said that it refers to, as we mentioned before, the position of Abdullah ibn Wahab, which is that it's two days after the day of Eid, so essentially the 12th and then the 13th. Others from amongst them said that a chef 
of the even it's all of Allah's creation and Al-Watr is Allah alone he is unique subhanahu wa ta'ala himself and that's considered to be a position of Mujahid it's also narrated from Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma and Masruq ibn Al-Ajda' rahimahullah and many uh, a number of other scholars of of tafsir and others said that it's referring to Al-Khalq, all of creation. So the even of the odd refers to creation itself, as we mentioned as being the positions of Mujahid and Al-Hasan, Rahimahumullah Ta'ala. And others said that it's referring to the obligatory prayers, the um, the position of being, for example, that you have Fajr and Dhuhr and, and Asr and Isha being the even, and Al-Maghrib being the odd. And that's the position of Imran ibn Hussein and Qatada and Al-Rabi' ibn Anas. Ta'ala. And others from amongst them, this is another position of Al-Hasl al-Basri ta'ala, that he said, Wal-Adad, it's referring to numbers. Right? And I think that's essentially, I don't know if Sahih International, that's what they meant by that, but they in the, in the translation of Sahih International, it says, and by the even, and then in brackets, number and the odd. So I don't know if they put number because they took the position of Al-Hasl al-Basri, or maybe more likely that they meant by even, that it's referring to even numbers and odd numbers, just in case someone thought even means uh, something else, I don't know exactly uh, which meaning that they intended. But anyway, Al Hassan al Basri also said that it's referring to numbers because you have numbers that are either even or numbers that are odd. Al Imam Al Tabari, Ta'ala, then in his uh, summary of this, he says, Was sawab, and the correct position out of all of this is to say that Allah Azza wa Jal took an oath, took two oaths, took an oath by the even and took an oath by the odd, and he didn't specify a certain type of even or a certain type of odd neither through textual evidences nor through intellectual evidences and so therefore everything that is even and odd is something which Allah Azza wa takes an oath by meaning that it encompasses all of this and more so everything that Allah Azza wa that can be even or odd Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by and so essentially Imam Tabari after mentioning all of this he says that everything is, uh, is included so whether it's the day of, of Arafah and the day of Nahar, or whether it's the 12th or the 13th, or whether it's referring to prayers, or whether it's referring to all of those positions that we just mentioned, all of them, he says, Allah took an oath by everything by everything that is even and everything that is odd. From all of the positions that the people of Tafsir had, because all of this is included in the general meaning of this verse. That is the position that Imam al-Tabari took. The position of many other scholars and the one that you will find perhaps, I think now, if you were to go to many of the scholars of tafsir, the one that you will find perhaps being the majority of their positions is the position of Ikrima and, and, and others, which is that it's referring to primarily the day of Arafah and the day of Nahr. And so therefore Allah Azza takes a general oath by the 10 days and then he specifies two extra days, meaning the day of Arafah and Nahr, because of their added virtue, their added reward, their added blessing, and so on and so forth. And others from amongst the scholars, such as Imam al-Tabari, just said that it refers to all of them. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. And it's possible that uh, you, know, you, you, can, you can do both. That you can take the position of Imam al-Tabari, which is essentially what he does. Because when you take that position, then you include within it the position that it's referring to, uh, that, that's referring to, uh, the, the day of Arafah and the day of Nahar as well and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best in verse number 4 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then takes a fifth oath so now we're on our fifth oath so we have Fajr, Ashr, Watar, and now we come to the fifth oath that Allah Azza wa Jal is taking which is and by the passing night 
by the passing night, that is the translation of Professor Abdul Halim. Uh, Muhsin Khan says, by the night when it departs, Mufti Taqi by the night when it moves away, and Sahih International by the night when it passes. So we have uh, some slight differences in wording, and we'll mention why there is a difference in wording here. Al-Imam Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, uh, This is the fifth author Allah Azza wa Jal takes. And that is that after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes a specific oath for the ten nights in the second verse, وَلَيَالٍ عَشَرٍ he takes a specific oath specifying those ten nights or those ten days. In this verse, Allah Azza wa takes a general oath by every night. So it seems, and Allah Azza wa knows best, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath at the beginning by Fajr, and then Allah Azza wa specifies, specifies, uh, specifies ten days, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifies after that the day of Arafah and the day of Nahar according to that position of the scholars of Tafsir and now Allah Azzawajal is taking a general oath by every single night The meaning of the word Yasar is something which the scholars uh, differed over or, or you will find more than one position concerning uh, and, and let's mention some of the statements of the Salaf first and then we'll speak about how many positions that essentially comes down to so Abdullah ibn Zubayr radiyallahu anhuma said, وَاللَّيْدِ إِذَا يَسْرْ حِينَ يَذْهَبُ يَتْبَعُ بَعْضُهُ بَعْضًا It is when it departs little bit after little bit. قَتَادَ نَبُ الْعَالِيَ عَلَيْهِمْ وَرَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ They said, إِذَا سَارْ When it departs. Uh, Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma said, إِذَا ذَهَبْ When it has departed. Right? When it has departed. And similar to it is the statement of Mujahid and Abu Aliya and Qatada and Ibn Zayd and others from amongst the scholars of of tafsir. Essentially they have three positions here. The first of them is that the meaning of the word yasr yasr refers to yasr being that the night has departed. So Allah is taking an oath by the night as it as it has departed, meaning as it has finished. And therefore that comes if you like full circle to the first oath taken in the surah which is Wal Fajr. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is essentially taking an oath by something that he is the master of the day and the night. The night finishes at the time of Fajr. And so Allah is taking an oath by the night as it finishes because what happens as the night finishes, dawn comes in, it is the time of Fajr. And that is the position of a number of the scholars of tafsir, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma being from amongst them. Ibn Atiyah rahimahullah ta'ala said in his tafsir concerning this position that it is the position of the jumhur that it is the position of the majority that it's referring to the departure of the night the second position is that it refers to the night as it departs little by little as we mentioned as a statement of Abdullah ibn Zubayr radiallahu anhuma what does that essentially mean? it means that the night is leaving uh, little bit by little bit so when the night uh, comes as Fajr is coming in what happens to the night is that it doesn't. you don't just get light straight away, but Fajr comes in, the dawn comes, and then little by little, right, in small, if you like, small time periods, light increases and darkness decreases. And so then just as at the time of Maghrib, the night just doesn't just come in straight away, it comes in over a, a short period of time, likewise at the time of the morning after Fajr, as you know, there's a good like hour or so as the sun is rising, 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 until you get to sunrise. And so that was the position of some of the scholars uh, as it's being referred to. The third position, and that, and that position uh, also is considered to be the position of some of the scholars uh, of tafsir. 
the third position is that it's referring to the night as it begins. So just as the Fajr time is the, if you like, the onset of the day, yasr means the time of the night as it begins. So not the departure of the night, but the onsetting of the night. And this is something which is mentioned by Ibn Kathir uh, in his tafsir. He says, the position of Mujahid uh, and, uh, can be mentioned as being the position of Ibn Abbas and that is that the meaning of the word Sara or Yasri is that it departs. The night has departed, as we said before. That is the position, it seems, of the majority of the scholars that yasr refers to the night as it departs. Ibn Kathir then continues and he says, And it's also possible that the meaning of the word Sar is that as the night sets in. So that's what it's referring to. And it could be said that this is more appropriate, meaning this tafsir, that it's not the end of the night, because the end of the night is essentially Fajr, but rather it's the beginning of the night. Because in that way, it shows the reverse of, or it is the reverse of what Allah has taken an oath by at the beginning of the surah, in Al-Fajr. And because the Fajr is when the night is, is ending and the day is beginning. So if we say that yasr means the beginning of the night, then this is an oath in which Allah Azza wa Jal takes an oath by the beginning of the night and the ending of the day. And that, so that seems to be, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best, the position that Ibn Kathir chooses therefore. And he says that the meaning of the word sara, because he says the word sar can mean to depart, but it can also mean the onset of something. What is it that's, that's departing? What is it that's onsetting? Ibn Kathir obviously as you hear takes a position that is referring to the beginning of the night whereas Al-Fajr refers to the beginning of the day and Allah Azza wa knows best uh, it's also mentioned um, by some of the scholars such as Ikrim and Mujahid in, 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 their, uh, in some of their statements that they had that they said that it's referring to a particular night when Allah Azza wa takes an oath by this night they said it is Laylatu Jam'ah Laylatu Jam'ah essentially being the night of Muzdalifa, the night of the Hajjaj, which would be the night of the ninth, or if we're looking at it in the Islamic calendar, it would be the beginning of the tenth, right? It would be the morning of, of the tenth. And I mentioned uh, this question last week. I don't think anyone uh, really got back to me that the general ruling in Islam, in terms of our fiqh rulings and so on, is that the night precedes the day. The night comes first, and then we precede the day. And that's why in Ramadan, as we know, we pray the first taraweeh before we start fasting. Why? Why do we pray the taraweeh before fasting? Because the night comes first, the day follows. And that's why on the last day of Ramadan, there's no taraweeh in that night because that is the night of Eid. It's no longer the night of Ramadan. There is one exception to this, where the night uh, after the day follows the previous day as opposed to the following day. And that, that exception is this one here. The night of the day of Arafah, which is the night of Muzdalifah, follows the ruling of the day of Arafah, not the ruling of the day of Eid. Right? It follows both, essentially. But it, can, it will also follow the day of Arafah. And that's because of the hadith of the companion who came to the Prophet And he met the Prophet in Muzdalifah. He's coming to perform the farewell hajj. Where does he meet the Muslims? In Muzdalifah. And he goes into a long story of how he had a very difficult, arduous journey, going through mountains and so on and so forth, literally on his bare feet, walking in order to make it for Hajj. And he passed by Arafah, 
after Maghrib. And then he comes to Muzdarifa. The Prophet said, whosoever comes to this place of our standing here, meaning Muzdarifa, and then they have passed Arafah, Laylan or Nahara, whether during the day or during the night, then the Hajj is complete. And so that is essentially the exception to that rule. And so if you ever ask that question, what is the exception? It is that exception. And that's what Iqlim and Mujahid and some of the scholars said, that the night that is being referred to here, just as Washaf and Al-Watar are referring to particular days the day of Arafah and the day of Eid, then the night that is being referred to here is also the night that is of a particular night, and that is the night of Muzdarifah, because again of its virtue and so on and and and, and what have you. But Imam Qurtubi he said, إِنَّهُ أَرَادَ عُمُومُ اللَّيْلِ and the other position is that it's referring to every night, not just the night of Muzdarifa. Imam Qurtubi said, And I said, and, and Imam Qurtubi said, and I say that this is more apparent, as we mentioned before, and Allah knows best. And if you remember a couple of weeks back when we did the methodology, when Imam Qurtubi, one of the ways that he chooses his positions, if he's not too sure, like he doesn't say that it's the strongest or whatever, is he uses a word like this, he says, that it seems to be more apparently the case that it's referring to every night as opposed to it referring to a single night. What does an Imam al-Qurtubi come out and say, oh, it's not every night, it has to be every night, meaning it can't be the disposition of Mujahid and Iqlima that it's the night of Muzdalifa, because the general verses that we see in the general context is about Hajj. And so it's possible that it's referring to Hajj. It's not like something which is far-fetched, it's not a out of the field opinion as to if someone was to say, you know, it's a particular night of Rabi'ul Awwal or it's a particular night of Safar or something. There's a there's a context here of Hajj. And so therefore to say that it's referring to Hajj isn't something which is far out of the field. Um, however, he says, well, Adhar, however, what is more apparent, just as Imam Tabari said, what seems to be correct is that it's referring to every type of even and odd. We don't have any reason to specify it. Likewise here, Imam Qutubi is saying, it seems that it's referring to every night because Allah Azza wa didn't specify a single night over another night. But it's possible to say in these verses, therefore, even if we take this position of Al-Qurtubi and Al-Tabari, that as examples of the best of the even and the odd, we have Arafah and Yawm Al-Nahar, the day of Eid. And as the best of the nights that depart or onset, depending on which tafsir you take, then it is the day of, or the night of Muzdarifah. Or you could say, for example, another night, for example, the night of Eid Al-Qadr, because of the virtue of those nights, and Allah Azza wa knows best. In verse number 5, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, هَلْ فِي ذَلِكَ قَسَمٌ لِذِي حِجْرٍ Is this oath strong enough for a rational person? And that is again the translation of uh, Professor Abdul Halim. Muhsin Khan says, This is indeed in them, meaning in the above oaths, sufficient proofs for men of understanding. Uh, Mufti Taqi says, Is there not in such oath enough assurance for a man of sense? And in Sahih International, is there not in all of that an oath sufficient for one of perception? Ibn Kathir, ta'ala, he says, and he has a very nice statement concerning this verse, uh, and I want to mention it all to you because he has a very uh, beautiful thing. He begins by mentioning the meaning of the word hijr. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Is there not within those oaths, meaning the five oaths that we've taken, al-fajr, wal-layalin-ashr, wal-shaf'i, wal-watar, wal-layli idha yasr, is there not in all of them Sufficiency for who? Lidhi Hijr. What did the Hijr? Ibn Kathir ta'ala, he said it's referring to, and this is the position of the majority of the scholars, that it's referring to the word Hijr means intelligence and rationale and sense and essentially the functions of your brain. 
is not enough for a person who is sensible, who is intelligent, who has a mind by which they can think and reflect. He says, The mind or the brain was called hijr, one of the names of it, is because the word hijr essentially means to prevent or to stop or to put a barrier. He says because a person's mind, to stop them from doing those things, it should be a barrier from them doing those things which are unbecoming for a Muslim, unbecoming for a person to do from actions and speech, right? Your mind, your intellect, and that's why, you know, when, when we say that someone is, for example, wise or they're mature, essentially what does maturity mean? That you are sensible enough to be able to sit and deal with people and use your wealth and, and mix and, and whatever. This is what it means. And so when you say you make hajar of someone, you boycott them, you leave them, it's because they don't have that ability to function in terms of the way that they're, they're, they're speaking. Ibn Kathir says, and that's why we say concerning the walls of a house or the, you know, the outer wall, the outer perimeter of a house, like for example your garden wall or whatever, Hajrul Bayt, it's called the Hajr of a house. Why? Because it stops other people from approaching your house that you don't want approaching your house, from thieves and, and, and robbers and so on, doesn't allow them to come in. وَمِنْهُ حِجْرُ الْيَمَامَةِ there's a place in Saudi Arabia, modern-day Saudi Arabia, in Yamama called Hijrul Yamama. And it said, Hajar al-Hakimu ala fulan idha mana'ahu tasarruf. When the Hakim, the ruler, the judge, he wants to stop someone, basically essentially saying that they're not of sound mind to be able to complete or, or carry out their own decisions and buy and sell and, and do things that a normal adult would be able to do, it is called Hajar. The Hakim makes Hajar of them, essentially, essentially, meaning that they no longer have the ability to do as they please. And then Imam Ibn Kathir, he makes a beautiful point. He says, This uh, this These oaths that are taken by Allah in this verse are all times of, of ibadah. And this is something similar to, by the way, Ibn Qayyim mentioned something similar also in the tafsir of these verses. It's a very important point. I think it's worth spending a few minutes just thinking about this. He says all of these oaths are times of ibadah. So whether it's fajr, right? whether it's the prayer of fajr, or whether we're talking about in the context of hajj, at the time of fajr, you're essentially moving from sometimes from one place to another. And hajj, for example, on the day of, on the day of nahr, right? after you finish from Araf and Muzdalifah, that's the time that you're going to be moving or getting ready to move off to the next station, or whether it's referring to other. The time of fajr, as we know, is the time of ibadah. Again, a time of ibadah, the first 10 days of Dhul-Hijjah. Are times of ibadah, as we mentioned, the position of many of the scholars is that it's referring to some type of ibadah, be it Arafah and the day of Eid, be it the 12th and the 13th of Dhul-Hijjah, be it the obligatory prayers, whether the, the even-numbered prayers or the odd-numbered prayers, whatever it may be, it's referring to awqatul ibadah. وَبِنَفْسِ الْعِبَادَةِ مِنْ حَجٍ وَصَلَاةٍ وَغَيْرِ ذَلِكِ من أنواع القرب التي يتقرب بها إليه عباده المتقون المطيعون له. He says and these are the acts of worship whether it's in Hajj or Salah or other than Hajj and Salah that the people used in order to seek nearness to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala from the pious and from the obedient al-Khaifun min those who fear Him al-Mutawadiyun al-Day those who show humility and humbleness before Him al-Khashiyun al-Wajh al-Karim and those who show uh, awe and respect of Him Subhanahu wa Taala. And I think that that is a nice point that Allah Azza wa essentially in this surah, even if it's, for example, the general uh, tafsir that we take, that we say, for example, it's referring to 
any type of odd and even. From the odds and evens that the majority of the scholars of tafsir refer to by way of example, therefore, were times of ibadah. And even if you say, well, refers to every night or any night, then know that the night is a time of ibadah, whether it's Maghrib or whether it's Isha or whether it's Tahajjud or whether it's Salatul Witr, it is a time of ibadah and turning to Allah in worship. And so he says all of these oaths are essentially times of ibadah. However, the meaning of the Hijr, therefore, as we said, Al-Qatada, Al-Hasan, Mujahid, Alim, Rahmatullah, and many others, they said that it is the meaning of a person of intelligence, a person of intellect, that these oaths should be enough for a person of intellect to understand the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And some of the scholars said that the Jawab al-Qasam is hidden. They differed, as, as we will come to next week. Some of them said that verse number five is the Jawab al-Qasam. Others said, no, the Jawab al-Qasam, the response, if you like, why is Allah taking these oaths? It's referring to something which is hidden. It's not mentioned apparently. And that is that the one who has power over these things, one the things that Allah has taken oath and oath by, does he not then have power to overcome you? If Allah can do this, and he can hold all of this to account, meaning that he has ability and power over it all, does he not have the ability and power over you to hold you to account as well? And so Allah is essentially showing his power subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that these are a number of things that Allah has taken an oath by that should be enough for a person of intelligence, enough for a person of wisdom and good sense. Because that person, it is enough for a person of intelligence to understand the message that Allah is giving to them. And this was also the position uh, that it's referring to a person's intelligence and so on. This was a position of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu and Ibn Zaid. And as we mentioned before, Qatad and Mujahid and Al-Hasan al-Basri alayhim rahmatullahi jami'an. And so this is essentially uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala beginning this surah with five oaths and then asking this question to his creation. Is it not enough that Allah who has power over these things? Is it not enough for a person of intelligence to take heed, to reflect? to contemplate and so on and so forth. I think inshallah ta'ala that is a good place for us to stop because I wanted to mention something uh, before we uh, conclude for today's lesson. Those of you that are uh, on the mailing list for uh, for Green Lane Masjid, which is my local masjid here in Birmingham in the UK, uh, for those of you that are on their mailing list or you, you, you follow their social media, you may have uh, seen that we, we launched uh, earlier this week a new program of study at Greenland Masjid, which I wanted to share with you and mention to you, and it's called Al-Isnad. Al-Isnad, as you know, essentially means a chain of narrators. And it's called Al-Isnad because one of the objectives of this, of this, um, of this program of study is to read the books of Isnad. So we're going to essentially be reading the classical works of scholars in all of the different sciences. So whether that's, you know, Aqidah, whether it's uh, fiqh, whether it's hadith, whether it's uh, even in Quranic sciences and so on. It is essentially in, in a number of different sciences, but we're going to be focusing on uh, reading the early works of the scholars and not necessarily always the early works, but relatively speaking classical works. So whether it's from 700 years ago or a thousand years ago or four or five hundred years ago, essentially they are still early works concerning uh, these different sciences. And the idea of this program is, is style is going to be very similar to the style of Tafsir al-Jalaleen. For those of you that remember that Ramadan that we did and even last Ramadan when we began Tafsir al-Sa'di, in the sense that it's going to be the style of a reading and commentary. So the idea, inshallah ta'ala, is that we're going to be reading these books uh, in Arabic and then obviously reading the English translation 
and commentating on them in English. And the idea is that we finish these books as quickly as we can or within a reasonable period of time. So for example, uh, inshallah in a couple of weeks we have a first course which is not this weekend coming but the following weekend. Um, that's We're going to inshallah attempt to read three books on the virtues of knowledge and the etiquettes of a student of knowledge. So these are going to be three uh, early to classical works on this particular topic of seeking knowledge and the virtues of seeking knowledge and the etiquettes of seeking knowledge. And we're going to be reading inshallah the Arabic with the English translation because we want people to be familiar with the Arabic, helps you to develop your own Arabic, but also helps you to understand how to read the works of the Salaf. So we, you know, some of us, especially those of us that are serious about taking our knowledge seriously, need to be start need to start developing that ability to read Arabic and speak Arabic and study in Arabic and so on. And we may not be fluent in Arabic, but inshallah over time you will find inshallah that this will help a great deal. There are a number of people that I know personally who don't speak Arabic Arabic very fluently, but their understanding is good because they took out the time to learn in this way and to read and study in this way. Uh, and then we're doing a commentary. So this isn't going to be a detailed explanation where we go through every sentence or every point or every uh, every phrase of the book. It's essentially taking the most important issues that we have. Um, and this is something, inshallah ta'ala, that we're going to be launching in a couple of weeks. This Friday, bismillah ta'ala, uh, at around 7.30 p.m. UK time, there's going to be an introductory lecture uh, that's going to be held at Green Masjid. And, and all of this is going to be streamed live as well uh, on their YouTube channel. I would urge all of you to go and, and to, inshallah ta'ala, if, you, if this is something that you're interested in, taking it up to the next level and so on, it's something which I would, um, which I would definitely recommend that you do. I will, inshallah, in the chat post the uh, web link to this program. Uh, then, inshallah ta'ala, you can then go and see for more details. And then, inshallah, this week, this week Friday, we have, um, we have our, we have our um, introductory lecture. But next weekend then, it's going to be two full days. So it's going to be like a weekend kind of course style. So it's going to be possibly once a month. Uh, that we're going to run this but it will be like a weekend a month so two days a month is all that we're asking and inshallah ta'ala we, we look at some of these early works and so on uh, so the details inshallah you have in the particular thing uh, and this will marry nicely with everything else that we're doing inshallah so if you're someone who's looking for this type of study you want to read the books then of the classical scholars you're looking at something like this uh, inshallah ta'ala I think that it will be good for you and if it's not something for you maybe you know someone who would uh, like to join us inshallah ta'ala but I will rather than making this uh, session very long I will leave the introduction to Friday where I will speak about this in more detail inshallah and you can refer to it there and inshallah ta'ala if you have any questions regarding that then you can uh, maybe post them for next week's lesson or, or uh, maybe just ask them um, elsewhere so jazakumullah uh, khairan if there's any questions concerning today's class we'll take them otherwise inshallah we can uh, we can conclude bismillah ta'ala So jazakumullah khairan inshallah ta'ala we will uh, meet again next week barakallahu fikum wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh